0: Welcome to Wide Awake Stories from Insomniac.
1: And now, here's a little story I got to tell about Bree. Okay, you know so
2: well. Welcome to the Church of now. Welcome to Wide Awake Stories from Insomniac. This is a journey by <laughs> a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. <laughs> journey, <laughs> journey, <laughs> journey, <laughs>
3: Broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ This is Wide Awake Stories Welcome back to Wide Awake Stories This is episode 21 How's everyone doing?
4: Fantastic, how are you? I'm great We're legal this episode So now Light Awake Stories and you have something in common. We're both 21. Yay. Until Friday. And then you turn 22. (laughs) Then
3: I'm 22.
4: Well, well, So then I'm up to
3: date with these shows. We tried. All right. It's all good.
4: Hi, Deirdre, How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, thank
3: you.
4: Good. And Mr. Mr. Bailey? Marvelous, thank you. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Quite, quite. How has everyone's year been? This is the last show of 2018, our December episode, so obviously a time of... Reflection and pause.
0: I mean, we say this every year, but it blew by. It It was a whirlwind. I was going to say the same
2: thing. thing. When you're 21, shy, years feel like a long time. When you're 30, like me, (laughs) (laughs) shh. Years, that's nice, wink, wink. years <laughs> go so quickly It's just stupid I, I'm just shocked that it's the end of the year already
4: Yeah, well the four stages of, of of men growing up As it relates to the holidays Is Stage one, you believe in Santa Claus Stage two, you don't believe in Santa Claus Stage three, you are Santa Claus Stage four, <laughs> you look like Santa Claus <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty much how it well, we goes I've never heard
0: that before, that's funny <laughs> You can use that if you want I'm
4: turning so grey, true. that's for sure Um, The year did fly by, but there was a lot of amazing stuff, a lot of amazing albums, experiences as well. Obviously, EDC was a big one for all of us here because we had camping for the first time, doing that again in 2019. But that extended the EDC experience for all of us working by a few days. But looking forward to bringing that back again for 2019, even better than... Before, what about shows? Did you get out much with the baby? You bring the baby with you? Is the baby your plus one or plus one half? I did bring the baby actually.
2: It was uh, he was he was good in the clubs. So I just had to in Ibiza. Yeah, we're oh, I'm t- sorry, Ibiza. Ib- 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 Ibiza. Yeah. well Ibiza? Yeah. Uh, we took him there. It was fun. I didn't go as club clubbing as much this year. Obviously, yeah. because he's sober. I am also sober. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I
4: forgot. What are we on
2: now? Seven, we- ne- oh, seven... Do you know when you're doing well when you stop checking the sober uh, app every day? Yeah. So that's it's good. around seven months.
4: They what about you?
0: In the music context, um went to a lot of great shows, a lot of fun warehouse parties, standouts the Fortet show. This past year was incredible. Oh, yeah. Was it I Masonic Lodge? At the Masonic Lounge, yeah, with the light installations. Uh, it was really special. Um, that's one that like will go down in the books, I think. I saw Nils Fromm in a church this year. That oh, wow. was moving. That was really, really cool. He is just like a mad science genius. At EDC, I had a lovely moment. Sitting up in the bleachers watching boys noise play. I love boys noise. I love boys noise and it was just like really coming
4: full circle. It was like twenty-two-year-olds you'd realize. Yeah,
0: I mean the whole reason that I well one of the reasons I love electronic music, like what I grew up listening to, what I saw in Berlin, why I moved to Berlin, why I started working for Insomniac, seeing this artist play at Insomniac shows and then at EDC this year. It just and just sitting, enjoying with friends and my boyfriend, and it was it was really special. It made me feel good. Nice.
3: Yeah.
2: Shai, what it's was really it, cool. what was your highlight of twenty eighteen?
3: I went to Japan. Um, I planned it around Fuji Rock Festival. Cool. So, I got to see Skrillex do live covers of his old classic songs and with Yoshiki, who's this crazy drummer from X-Japan, um, who is like the Michael Jackson of Japan to them. I've never seen people love a man so much. Um, I got to see MGMT and Kendrick <laughs> <laughs> and Superorganism. I think they're so weird and so cool. So I think going to Japan and experiencing all types of music there was a good way for like the middle of the year it was very inspiring to finish recharge your batteries yeah Yeah, I think I'm I'm just so used to going to you know some of the same shows year long when Mm -hmm. we're working that stepping out and coming back makes you appreciate things a little differently and keep an eye out for you know different styles and the way that people do it than just a dj set which is kind of what we're talking about today right
4: it is exactly what we're talking about today it's an amazing
0: segue thank
2: you <laughs> before we get into what we're talking about today though what about uh we'd like to know what your highlights of 2018 were so use the hashtag wide awake stories let us know what your favorite moments in dance music were this year what what was what were your
4: highlights Well, Shai alluded to, uh, this episode is all about live electronic music. So I guess the first thing we should do is pretty much define what live versus non-live electronic music is. So I think the easiest thing is it's not CDJs or turntables or just kind of DJing, if you will, as the main... Pre-recorded. It is not pre-recorded. Not pre-recorded. I think the easiest thing to do to
2: describe live electronic music is to just agree that it doesn't exist...
0: Hmm.
4: I completely disagree.
3: I'm like, I'm like, like, it doesn't exist.
4: Are you you the drum machines have no soul bumper sticker guy? It's, it's, it's,
2: you can't do electronic music live. There is, it's electronic music by the fact of what it is electronic music doesn't mean it can't be done live. That's not
3: true. I think there's an extent, I think there's an extent, like I've seen DJ sets in the past year where I'm like, God, this is not live. Like this is literally not live.
2: So you've got two people on the stage Stage and a bunch of synthesizers and drum machines, you're, you're they're loops, so it's like it's not live. You, you can't you can't play live every every drum, every, no, pad, but every if kick,
4: I've... every pad. You can't. You just can't do it. So Sequencing is the word that we're looking for. Right. You can I think you can still sequence and have a sequencer and run things in a sequence right. and still have a live performance. Hmm. Absolutely. I would say this should be
2: another word for it because it's not live. Is like you know. Well, let's admit five then that you've now backpedaled
0: because it does exist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Flip flopper. I just don't. Think I just they want to be controversial.
3: There is just there's just like not another word aside from semi-live. live.
2: It's it is semi
3: live. That's <laughs> the thing. So yeah, many, but imagine like, seeing Gorgon City semi-live on a flyer. That's that's why they that's why they, they call it live. Non-DJ set or DJ
0: set. I think it's okay to say that it's live, but you know, we're now in a space and time where we can have this conversation. And figure out what it means, rather than saying it doesn't exist. That's basically what I want to acknowledge.
4: Well, with the advent of, of more uh, MIDI devices and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just
0: like synthesizers and not just and synths, pads, but, but,
4: but but yeah, like the, trigger the stuff devices. that Audio Am- makes and like what Sasha used when track, she started doing trigger stuff, all that. Yeah, kind of, yeah. People can be super, super creative using samples and sequencing and still be super live, like ARAB music is uh, to me a perfect example of someone who just goes ham well, on, on sort Kink, of push and Kink too buttons.
0: I mean Kink has so many gizmos and gadgets that I have no idea what they're called exactly they exactly. have no
2: Deacon? idea what they're doing either they put them on the stage Dan Deacon they I
0: put watched these him, on the stage. but I watched Kink with Ame literally play live he would show Ame what he was doing on a tiny little keyboard that you could hold in two hands that looked about the size of an extra large sega genesis ame would watch what he was doing is like got it and would riff off of it and they were bouncing recordings back and forth and completely riffing off bouncing of
2: recordings back and forth isn't live it's just like it's just I next next level, it in the moment I think that the
3: word mixing. live. Sure, give
4: us the definitive word here
3: i think that the way that live is used is not just mixing on a cdj it doesn't mean like live band it doesn't mean yeah it's not pre-recorded but they're they're experimenting with it like i've seen a few artists that i mean they're playing like kind of off ableton and all these little pads that i again like i couldn't tell you what they're called but they're changing it up every time so differently and mixing things up so much that it is like a live version of the original pre-recorded track that's like already out. That's a, it's, a, it's something different that like you probably haven't heard or something that they practiced like so much and it's just always going to be a little bit different because it's not the same I'm going to mix it. So maybe this- Daniel
0: what you're getting at is that if you're having a hard time considering it live, it's done in real time, it's done on the fly. Parts of it are done in real time and very little of it's done on the fly. But I mean there are lots of bands that do it on the fly and okay. it it is considered live in the sense that they're doing it right here right now
2: I mean if you have like if you're, someone's playing the keyboard and you have someone playing on the drums and you're doing a live live version of a song with a band or an orchestra then sure. yeah it's live like LCD right that's live that's live. Yeah, that's live Yeah,
0: I think there are more bands doing it now and certainly attempting to do it now right. and they want to do it now And when they're recording or producing their releases mm-hmm. the next step for a lot of Upcoming artists or people who are inspired by live acts that mm-hmm. they consider themselves band and they try to create a band experience when they tour a show. So
2: looping things that have been pre-made and tweaked and mastered isn't isn't what I consider live. So in order to do a full electronic music live, you would need 50 people on the stage because that's how many stems there are in a track, that's how many parts there are to a record. Someone, someone some is doing the hi-hat, someone is doing the kick drum, I guarantee someone you, is doing the top line. I
0: guarantee you Rufus 10 years from now would want to do something something like that just the way like Moby would do a full orchestra like that's that's obviously a dream but when they're touring in their third album fourth album that's not really possible just yet they can do maybe a three-piece four-piece five-piece but it, it, it does exist.
4: BT is someone who came to mind when we were chopping up this topic initially because I remember seeing, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who is as nerdy and geeky and studio driven and sort of, I mean, he made his own freaking beat stretcher app many, many years ago. I remember seeing shows where he was on stage with a keyboard that was on this cool little spring thing and he had a bass player, he had a drummer, Um, I think there was even a guitar player so I would consider that like the early iterations of sort of live obviously Kraftwerk too but
0: yeah Kraftwerk I mean
4: and then it kind of went away when the superstar DJ era came around because electronic music got so big. I don't think it went away
0: it just was not at the forefront and then the big DJ craze and that rock star mentality of one person you know with their hands in the air you know
4: but now, who do we? I mean, you've got, like you said, Rufus to Soul. Rufus to Soul. Odessa. The Presets. Yeah. They're awesome live.
0: And let's not forget Soul Ax, when they tour, that live show is amazing. Yeah. Um, Hot Chip, I consider that to be live electronic music too. Um, and then, you know, Granddaddy's Underworld when they tour Mm -hmm. that's a live electronic act as well and just one of the all time greats and then in the Rufus interview they talk about Trent Moeller. Trent Moeller live is awesome
4: so let's dig into our our two guests Uh, you can probably tell who one of them is already Rufus DeSoul um, Big scoop, by the way. Well, yeah, for sure. The intrepid uh, reporter John Ochoa out our our East Coast office, uh, taking care of that interview and talking to the guys um, before one of their shows that they played over in New York.
0: Wide awake stories from Insomniac.
5: We're sitting here at Terminal Five in New York with John and James from Rufus to Soul arguably one of the biggest live electronic bands in the game right now Uh, let's set the scene a little bit this is night one of a three date sold out run at this massive venue and this also marks the end of your 24 date north american tour on a scale of one to ten one being well rested ten being i need a medically induced
6: coma how tired are you we're 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 going into 11 territory right now (laughs) No, we we yeah we have I think we started going to the colder climates about a week and a half ago, going through like Detroit, Chicago, into Minneapolis. You know, we went to Canada for a little bit. So I think the cold's getting to us a little bit. Um, and you know, yeah, it's it's pretty exhausting touring. You know, playing shows night after night. But we're our spirits are very high. Yeah, yeah, I'd say this is
7: the most sick I've been actually at the moment. Um, because yeah, just the touring lifestyle catches up with you. And we've also been working on some things behind the scenes. So we've sort of been just, I'm really burning the candle from both ends. But uh, every time you get on stage, you're like completely reinvigorated. Um, It all seems very, very worth it.
5: Has this been one of your biggest tours today, or if not, your biggest tour to date?
6: Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the fact that we have been playing the biggest shows we've ever played, I guess in, in general, these are the biggest headline shows we've ever done, really. Like, uh, we, we, you know, played a venue in San Francisco that was the Bill Graham Auditorium, that was 8,600 people, uh, so it's pretty surreal to, like, be playing such, like, when it gets beyond a certain scale it's like kind of mind blowing we're really stoked that it feels like there's still this momentum you know and there, there are people who are connecting with our music on such a on such a scale
5: we know DJs and electronic artists tour like crazy especially in north america some often performing multiple shows a night what's your tour setup like How, are you are you in a are you in a tour bus do you have multiple uh, people touring with you outside of the band Yeah
7: it's evolved over the years for sure. I mean uh, it doesn't seem too long ago or at least it's like burnt in my memory um, of us being in a van um, traveling around America uh, or Europe and Australia with just the three of us in the band and one crew member like who would drive, he would tour manage, he would uh, do sound like And we would all pack up after every show and do like these loadouts through like crazy scenarios of like pushing people aside and stuff. And over the years, it's evolved to now we have like 16 people like on tour with us. Uh, We have like two tour buses, a semi-trailer full of all our gear, Um, and a lot of this tour has been back-to-back-to-back shows. So you sort of play the show. Um, And then you jump uh, on the bus, and you sort of like go to sleep in your bunks, and uh, you wake up in the next city. And uh, we search for the nearest coffee shop, and
6: we we do it all again.
5: Do you ever wish you could make life easier and trade the
6: guitars for the CDJs? No, I don't, because I guess the cool thing about what we do is that we are a live act, but we also love club music, and we get to still DJ. Uh, we're playing an After Party tomorrow night at Shemansky, which we played out a few times. Um, so, you know, we kind of get to the best of both worlds a little bit, and that's kind of at the heart of what we do is we channel our favorite, more sort of niche underground club influences and stuff that, you know, isn't necessarily crossover in any... Um, in any way but then we love you know music that involves instrumentation with our bands we listened to Radiohead growing up you know we love Foles. Um so you know we don't, there's no trade-off needed you know we get the best of both worlds
5: so how do your DJ sets work is it the three of you playing a back-to-back-to-back DJ set, and how do they compare or contrast to what you do as a live band? Uh,
7: well, we've um, evolved that over the years too, um, to the point now where I guess we all are um, avid music fans and we collect and collect and collect. Um, and if we got a DJ set on that night, then we'll come together usually and have like a couple of hours of just um, either just jamming on some CDJs together and playing each other what we've got, or um, just listening in a room to what everyone's got for tonight. And then in that way we all sort of across all the music and we're able to, just to sort of be able to plot a journey together on the stage that night, um, which is really fun. We just go, yeah, so it's sort of back to back as long as we all know the music. When you launched
5: Rufus The Soul back in 2010, did you always picture it as a live band or were there ever any iterations of the band that was not what it is today
6: Yeah I think the initial vision was always that it would be a band like and that's been really str- a really strong. Uh thing for us like an identity for us is that we are a band and that you know while behind the scenes like when we work in the studio we all you know contribute every like we, we're we not re- re- restricted to whatever we do on stage everyone can program drum beats Everyone plays keys contributes vocal melodies it's kind of like just this really nice collaboration but as a as an identity and like as what we yeah identify with as a group we're you know a band and that's always been like the, the heart of the project is yeah, that crossover of a band that also listens to club music and delves into the, the world of electronic music.
5: And when you write music as a band, let's say, for the new album, do you write it picturing what it would sound like from the stage or as what it would sound like
7: on an album? Yeah, no, uh... I think it's good just uh, having the experience that we do now of playing um, festivals around the world and so on, is that we have that knowledge in the studio to go like, oh, this is like a part that will really help uh, energize a set or that would really sort of break it down um, so we can use things like tools uh, on the stage. But um, generally, we're also just trying to work on a feeling whenever we sit down to write a song. And most feelings can be used on stage and we can sort of harness that in any way later. Um, So we really just try and um, garner that headphone listen um, that we're recording it right then and there and make people sink into a feeling, whether it's pure like joy or whether it's heartbreaking or whatever it is. With regard to your
5: creative process, how does it work? Who does what? Who contributes what music? And how do the
6: songs come together? It's pretty fluid between all of us. Uh, you know, and there's no fixed process as to how we start a song. It could be basically like when we wrote this record, we found a spot in Venice in uh, California, and um, it was an Airbnb that had this disused studio in it, which was like a fully acoustically treated space, but it hadn't really been used for years. So we decked it out with a lot of like synthesizers that we wanted to get for a while, some drum drum machines, guitar pedals, like little effects units. Um, and basically it was like a playground and like every time we write an album we kind of make a different iteration of this playground Um, and so we'll go there and like you know someone could be jamming a keys like a chord progression and we'll go oh that's sick let's go from here and we'll try and go with the spark as quickly as possible. And if that dies out, then we go, all right, let's start again. Then we might, re- like, if we're listening to an act that we really love, um, and there's a kind of beat that we really like, and we go, oh, let's try and reference a similar kind of beat, might go from there. You know, it could be any, any number of things, or we could just aim for, a, let's write something that feels like a certain feeling. It could be joyous, you know, a bright, you know, kind of thing, or we, let's make something really dark. So yeah, it's really—it's not really fixed, it's really fluid. And basically the thing that we're, I think, getting better at is pursuing the initial spark and um, trying to run with that. And I think that's the, the skill set that we're developing. John,
5: in a previous interview, you said that electronic music doesn't need to be strictly electronic.
7: What did you mean by that? Uh, yeah, I guess that's just something that we've always um, based what we do on um, so that we always work within two worlds like uh, we work with electronic music but we also work with live instrumentation and textures and organic um uh, yeah sounds um and even just by like chopping up like a, a little guitar lick or something, um, and completely digitizing it um, in some way, you know, it's it's then electronic music, but you're using uh, organic textures. So uh, yeah, I guess that's that's something that we play with a lot. It's just trying to combine those two worlds um, often.
5: With the music industry today, allowing for so much crossover between genres. Does an artist have to pick between being a band, or identifying as a band, or identifying as an electronic group,
6: or an electronic act? Can they be one and the same? I think there's definitely more room now, uh, you know, than ever before for a band to, yeah, exist in multiple spaces, especially if they, you know, don't uh like articulate or consciously define themselves as something it can be a really interesting space to exist in and bands some you know there there are a lot of groups that are delving into like you know psychedelia as well as electronic as well as you know rock as well as soul throwback like more than ever it's like a um pastiche uh like a pastiche era in a way you know things are like yeah there's like a lot more blending and I think yeah, it's just a way more interesting space to exist in.
7: Yeah, and that's something that we're like all grown up like hearing as bands um, have like grown up uh, like Radiohead with a much more thrashy indie sound, and then like um, have pursued instru- interest in electronic music um, in different records and things like that, and that really excites us to not to not be held, held to anything. So speaking
5: of what you grew up listening to, who are some of the artists and bands that influenced your sound when you were younger or now? Um,
6: yeah, I guess like we were talking about we're listening to Radiohead, who's like a band who also pursued electronic and mix that. Uh, but also like I remember listening to Chemical Brothers really early on. That was a big influence on us uh, artists, and they you know in the same way they're an electronic act who had a huge live show. Um, Trentemoller. That kind of European electronica Book of Shade. Again, you know, like an electronic act who now like really renowned for their live show. Um Uh Yeah, they're some of the and Rokes Up and um
7: uh Yeah, they're they're all really good references for how we bonded as a group at the start. Um and then i think like uh moby was one of the first uh um, sort of examples of someone where i saw play with those um two worlds which we were talking about earlier Um, that really sort of piqued my interest. I I found it so fascinating uh, as I learned more and more about him too and how he samples and um, plays with um, live instrumentation versus electronic um, sampling and music.
5: Today we're seeing a class of electronic acts like yourselves who are also experimenting with live instrumentation and electronic, that weird space in between there's you guys, there's Odessa. we're talking about. Do you see this as a future trend in, in, in electronic music with more live electronic bands happening?
6: Yeah, it definitely feels like that's uh, the the trend at the moment. And there, there's a lot of interest in, you know, this kind of iteration of electronic music, perhaps as a reaction to, you know, what the EDM, you know, in, in inverted commas, what the EDM thing became. Uh, you know, it's like a people are... There's like a re resurged interest in, you know, performance and instrumentation and, sk- you know, that kind of skill set. Um, but with, you know, in the world of electronic music and the music and like the kind of feelings that exist within that realm. Yeah, it definitely feels like that's um, is blowing up. Yeah.
7: Yeah. I mean, it's something that we're obviously very excited by. And we see like lots of our friends um, in similar fields, like Bob Moses and Hayden James. Um, and really talented musicians who are challenging themselves to really um, work out how to uh, recreate what they're doing in the studio and make it entertaining to be able to perform it live. And I just think that that's a really good um Uh, push between artists and and creates this camaraderie between us all. We're all really excited for each other and and, um, To see their each each other's shows and what everyone's been working so hard on.
5: You've just released album three, Solace Obviously, it's doing really well here in America What was the biggest takeaway from the from the entire creative process because i know it's a brand new experience for you moving to la renting a house and creating an entire atmosphere hiring a shaman to somewhat bless the house so what was your biggest takeaway from this new album in terms of the creative process and the the final output of the album
7: um i think uh one of the good things that we always do is try and um move push ourselves out of our comfort zones and we did that again with this record and um, we uh, started fresh so that we weren't just going back to old techniques and things like that so we learned a bunch of new techniques and ways to write music which is really cool so we'll definitely be like able to use some of that knowledge going forward Um, and then i think one of the biggest takeaways uh, for me personally has just been that um, as excited as we were to write and get in the studio after two years of touring after Bloom, um, we should have, like, we've got to respect our bodies and, and, and make sure we give each other the right amount of time to, to rest. And, uh, um, yeah, excitement is all well and good, and it can really create, um, uh, yeah, some amazing stuff. But you just got to learn as well when to check out and just, like, have a bit of you time.
5: <laughs> so what's the deal with the shaman that was at the at the house where
6: you recorded the album? What was he or she doing? He, uh, well, the shaman is a, a term that we placed upon him. I wouldn't say that he identifies as a shaman. However, maybe he does, unconsciously. But uh, he, he's a friend of ours who's very shaman-like. He's a shaman-esque being. And he has a shaman aura that... that uh, you know, surrounds him. No, but basically, he's a friend of ours from LA, and um, you know, he's a he. <laughs> he's a man who's aware of you know, uh, what, you know, which uh, he has a compass on him all the time, so he knows what direction you know things are facing of which corners of the room. As soon as we showed him the studio, he was surveying the energies of different areas, different corners, and he's like, "All right, cool." You know, he had a notepad, he was making notes, and over the next like six weeks, he was basically coming in while we were working on music, uh, working on his own project in parallel uh, which was this space and he was bringing in like there was a corner that uh, the water corner so he had little shells in that corner he had a space the space world so he had uh, like fairy lights that looked like little stars in space he had the Joshua Tree corner he had actual ferns from Joshua Tree so he kind of like made this what was like a you know semi-sterile space of a you know disused studio uh, into this like pretty crazy wonderland so it actually did make the energy of the space different and like going in there it'd be like this weird escape into some weird wonderland that he'd created, which kind of like, you know, yeah, it wasn't something that we would imagine making for ourselves, so in a way that made it slightly more of an uncomfortable, weird new space, and I think that was cool, like creatively. But yeah, he's, def- he's def- I would say he's a shaman. <laughs> there's, no, there's no arguing that, you know, but it was our term that we gave him.
5: Well, now he's a shaman, he's graduated to shaman, whatever he, whatever he was doing before. You've just announced your new label, Rose Avenue Records. What can your fans expect from, from the label and where do you think the sound is going toward?
7: Yeah, so we um, started Rose Avenue Records um, for a few reasons. Um, we were able to get a leg up um, from Odessa here in America and they had a good platform here and they'd started their uh, record label Foreign Family. Um, and we were able to release uh, Bloom um, through that, and that really helped um, get us get us like uh, known over here in America. And we wanted to do that for other people, um, give the, them a platform um, for their music to be heard. Um, so we always really liked that idea. And then um, we also have been working very closely with our friend Cassian. Who mixes um, the most of our our records, um, and he'd been working on an album, and he has a very similar aesthetic um, to what, what we really what we really like, uh, which is what a lot of what we've been talking about with that electronic world and um, more live instrumentation, but really felt stuff and really, like he it's really well thought out. Um, And none of it's a throwaway, a lot of it you're definitely feeling something. So we're really excited about his album that he's been working on, and his uh, first track's out at the moment, which is doing really well. Uh, And he's uh, been working on a live show of his own for the first time, so um, he's been touring a little bit with us here in America, Um, and he might be in Australia too. Um, So, yeah, really excited for for all the things that he's going to be doing over the next year. And uh, we just announced Lastlings as the second act that we've put on our label. Um, They're a brother-sister duo from uh, Australia. And again, they're like working in this space that um, that we really, really like. Uh, They've got an amazing live show. Um, Amy, the singer, is only well, she was she must be like 17, 17, 18. 18 now, but she was like uh, on stage um, like at sixteen, like playing shows um, like before us a couple of years ago, and she was already an amazing performer. So they've just developed their sound further and further, and it's in a really darker, cool space at the moment. It's just super edgy. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for all the music that they've got coming out too.
6: This is Wide Awake Stories.
0: I was really excited to listen to this interview and hear what the boys had to say. I'm a really big fan. Atlas was hands down the soundtrack to my summer in 2014, and it's just been awesome to see their trajectory. They totally deserve it. They're awesome and super talented. Um, It was nice to hear them talk about their process and how there are really no rules, and just, like, if a spark of creativity flies, they just run with it right then and there, just on the fly as quickly as possible, which I like. It sounds fun. You know, it doesn't sound like they're taking it too seriously. Like, obviously, they're going to want to produce the best song possible, but they seem to just have fun with it.
4: And it's clear that this is just kind of the fledgling stages for where they do want to take
0: Oh, absolutely. Their sound they, and their they have show. a long career ahead of them, and they're all really dedicated, and they're all really creative and passionate. I've loved all three of these albums. I like that Solace is a bit darker than the previous two was able to catch them when they were in LA. She caught and me too. Yeah, I saw Shy. I saw Shy. <laughs> Shy caught me. Shy almost tackled me. Shy almost tackled me. Um
3: <laughs> I was it, thriving you there. Were it thriving. was just you very were like thriving. It was cute. Were well, you living your place. best
4: life, as they say?
3: I felt like the girls that I would probably roll my eyes at, whether they're jumping around like super obnoxiously, like screaming, "You were right." But you know what? That was me. Like I was smack in the middle. Like you were not alone. So many people were everyone singing was, like, along, bouncing, yes, like, they jumping played, up and down. A lot of people knew the. New album a lot better than I thought they would. I was surprised how much I even knew, like them doing it live and not a DJ set playing out the entire thing. And
0: their That's live great. shows only continue going to continue to get better
4: and better. I unfortunately missed the show. Okay, well then you know I was what you missed. out of town. They covered Glory Box. By Portishead? Yes. Are you serious? It was amazing. I was just playing Portishead on my office. It the was day. amazing. You came in and heard so it. So
0: each night they did sold out shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I went to the Thursday show. They covered a, a song each night. Yeah. Um, but Thursday was Glory Box. It was awesome. Well,
4: and that's another criteria to put in our live versus not live. It's like, you know, hey, let's do a cover tonight of someone else's music. Like, I, know, I think that was probably planned. Oh, it was
0: absolutely
2: yeah, I'm sure planned. Of course it was planned. Yeah, we're not it's saying it wasn't it. planned. I, you, actually, I will, I will uh, retract my Thank electronic you. music Aha. can't be live we win. statement. <laughs> because uh, something I've been reminded of during this chat is that I went to see a live electronic act this year and it was fucking amazing. What did you see? It was Bonobo at the Greek.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Snaps. There you go. I
3: was waiting snaps. for someone but to bring up Bonobo. He actually
2: has a full live band. Yes, he does. With yes. orchestra, with drummer, with everything. And he He stands in the middle and he conducts the whole thing. So you stand corrected, sir. That is live. Yeah, that is live electronic music. And Bonobo is incredible. And it was. He is. But you said you don't
3: think that live electronic music is a thing. And you're here like. I I
0: stand corrected.
3: Bonobo.
2: There we go. We
0: have it on tape. Bonobo is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. yeah, I amazing. love old Bonobo I love new Bonobo yes. I love all Bonobo I'm you like Bonobo. so good I have to say I do
2: like back in the day Bonobo
4: oh, yeah. oh. ding 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 ding. We're, we're at one back in the day count yeah speaking
2: of back in the day Chai, what's your opinion on Orbital and their old work
3: oh god you guys are putting me on the spot do you I'm have just... any cricket sound Shai, effects have you ever seen have you ever seen the
6: movie Hackers no.
4: Okay. Well, I was going to say, a young, while, a young while, kid, while I young missed episode. Rufus, I was in town when Orbital, the brothers Hartnall, came into town to play the Belasco, which was an amazing show. For our younger audience, like Shy, yeah. why don't you explain the
2: importance of Orbital, who they are and what they're responsible for?
0: I have one, one track. Chime? Halcyon, on and on. And on. And on and on. And on and on forever. And on and, and on forever. I would say caught, I caught <laughs>
4: albums of an electronic origin that had songs 10, 12, 15 minutes in length. That still managed to be huge touchstones in the dance music canon. Because right now you have something that goes beyond 3 minutes and 30 seconds or 4 minutes. And you lose everyone's attention. Mm, Disposable culture right now. Yeah. And these guys put out records. Not only did they have singles, to Deirdre's point. They had... 10-minute track that blended into a six-minute track which meant you had a 16-minute listen experience before the song actually Stopped. That's the good stuff. It's really good stuff And can we talk about how those guys who have broken up and gotten back together Probably two or three times because they're brothers and brothers fight Oasis, mm-hmm. Black Crows, mm-hmm. Space Hog. You've done your research. I know brother, but I have triplet <laughs> sisters, so I'm very well versed in
8: Yeah, I don't sibling think he had to rivalry.
4: research any of that.
0: Rich, Rich had that off yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't I was research struggling. any of that. I
4: had Oasis, but
2: he got there quicker. Wobbs <laughs> around and Chime and Summer Halcyon are probably older than Shy. They probably actually are. Uh, when was When was Chime released? Probably before you were born? Oh,
4: 80,
2: wait, 88?
3: 80, six?
2: No, eight, eight, late 80s, what early 90s. Travel? So if you so if you are in your 20s and you haven't checked out Chime, go back and go on Spotify
4: and listen to everything because they're immense. Well, and really also do.
0: watch yeah. the movie Hackers, and then yeah.
4: I guarantee you you'll know. And you'll get the Holy Trinity of electronic Excellent. music, yeah, which is yeah, yeah. Chemical Brothers, Orbital, and Underworld. Mm-hmm. To me, throw the Prodigy in there too if you like a little bit of your. Oh
0: hell punk yeah, rock. that counts as live electronic too. I can't believe yeah. we didn't talk oh, about yes. that. Hell yeah.
4: Okay. I said I stand it. <laughs> <great too. laughs> But as always, uh, the boys were delightful. Uh, They were actually featured on an episode of Wide Awake Stories a couple years ago, Um, but they've got a new album out and they're talking about it and they're touring, so good for them.
6: This is Wide Awake Stories.
4: I'm sitting here with uh, Phil and Paul Hardnall from Orbital on this latest episode of Wide
9: Awake Stories. How's it going, guys? Fine, thank you. Yeah, really great. Uh, How have the shows been in the States? It's been brilliant so far I mean we're just doing three we've done New York and San Francisco and they were both excellent so you know we're in LA it's Saturday night what could possibly go wrong <laughs> don't jinx it <laughs> no it's been great because we didn't we, we weren't too
8: sure whether we were going to get it together enough uh, uh, quickly enough to just pop over here so these little three shows have been great because it's quite it's a lot diff- more difficult nowadays with visas and stuff like that with all the crew and it's, it's just it's quite noticeably very very different so we managed to get all that together and uh, yeah, so we've got visas for everybody for eleven months now, so we're definitely coming back.
9: <laughs> excellent, excellent. How's the new material been going over with the crowds? That's been brilliant. Yeah. You know, we've kind of blended it in with all our old classics as well, so you know, I think we've got a good, a good mix of that going on. You know, I mean, this isn't our first rodeo. We've been, <laughs> we've been doing that for a while, but no, it's uh, you know, it's it's good. We, I think we're doing about half new probably a little bit more older stuff and it's been going well hasn't it yeah yeah so we got uh, like during the summer
8: that's more that was more of a festival sort of type set but now that since the album's out in in September it, yeah we've pulled in a lot of the tracks from there because it's quite nice when people are a little bit more familiar and doing our own gigs as well you know that they are going to be fans so hopefully they have got the new record by then <laughs> and they yeah. will be a little familiarity rather than just doing like a a classic uh, you know top ten of you uh, Know, do you know what I mean? Orbital top ten, which is much, you know, so which they've probably heard quite a few times. I was trying to figure
4: out when the first time I was exposed to your music on a live setting, and I think it was Organic '96. Uh, the one up, up yeah. in Big Bear, up in Big Bear, on the yeah. on the side of the mountain with yeah. Underworld, okay. Chemical Bro- Brothers, Loop Guru, The Orb, uh, The Meat Beat Manifesto, That's right. and everyone, with the exception of a few DJs. Everyone was live. Mm-hmm. It was all live PAs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's sort of the theme of this episode is is live electronic music. And I think I'd like to start out by asking you guys
8: what do you quantify as live? You know, I was talking about this earlier. What we're what chime, which is our first sort of, uh, first record, first sort of warehouse anthem, sort We. Of, which. which wasn't a word then. But what happened in the uh, 1990s is that when somebody had a bit of a hit, it, uh, they, they would pull them in, uh, into clubs to do a little PA. And generally speaking, there were people set up an ironing board, put their keyboard on them, and mine for about 20 minutes, which was, you know, that's the way they were doing it. And that's like, you know. So the clubs got into that sort of habit, and we latched, we got onto that through time. But then we used to set up our studio up
9: on stage, and just why not? Because like, that's how we saw how to do it, really. Well, I modelled so, I modelled the way we played live, in sort of pretty much on what I thought, and it's interesting because this is all kind of second hand kind of stuff in the sense that I did it how I thought Tangerine Dream did it and I'd never seen them but I kind of just thought I'd seen pictures of them I'd heard Tangerine their live Dream albums Dream. what would they do and you know they used to just sit there with all their synths and jam with sequences and, and you know play for ages and just jam on a riff and I just thought yeah that's cool that's, that's the way to do it and don't forget that's how sort of we were making house music then it was very you know this is kind of People were starting to use computers but essentially it was a lot of hardware sequences and you'd kind of, you know, you'd make your track and even for making records you'd just jam it you know chime was a was a was a studio jam halcyon's a studio jam lots of our old tracks are just you sit down you make your pass thing right let's go and then when you think yeah that that's a good version that's what you put out on the record and essentially we still maintain that same principle when we play live we take we at the moment we've got like seven um, big old synths up on stage ableton running samplers um, and midi but it's not defined. There's no, there's no predestined timeline. No, we're just, we're, there's no arrangement. We're just playing clips and and launching them as you would with an old-fashioned sequencer and then you know you you hit go and you you sort of jam with the the Prophet six synth or whatever and and go from there and then to start adding layers as as and when you want and then you know some of the tracks blend together some of them don't we have you know we have hard stops here and there it just depends but it's basically a sort of a jam of, of our material and we just kind of rearrange them like we would in the old old days really we haven't really changed that that method um, and we keep it so that, you know I don't have to look at the computer I don't want to sit there staring at a laptop so I've got Buttons on my on, on two iPads that I can trigger all the sequences from there. And it's really you know it's really hands on and and sort of old school in that sense. Mm. And so when you, when, when it, Paul says sequences,
8: like the individual parts, based on hi hat, lead, ba- you know, da da da. And like Paul says, also when 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 the the, the synths that we have got on stage uh, are getting MIDI messages, we've got all the manipulation of the sounds that's going on. So this is like the rawness and like and going back to what I was saying with the with the uh, live uh, club PA type thing uh, that was like the equivalent of an indie band doing a pub circuit in in England. That's how you build up your indie band. You go on playing in pubs, 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 build up your fan base. So when we had Chime, uh, and it, uh, luckily that like, people was going, oh yeah, come and do this twenty minute thing. So we, you know that was like the equivalent of a pub circuit for an indie band, if you see what well, I mean. Done. So yeah, yeah. Well, on top of the box, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> We're never having them on again. <laughs> but they did
9: but they did oh, well, once so they'd changed all their producers and yeah, forgotten that we were, they said they were never having yeah, us on we again were
8: complaining you can't play why can't we can play it live we can play it live no 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 lord no, we no, 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 can't do that and so we were really like no, not into that idea at all
4: well then it was alex Patterson who completely took to piss and played chess on stage when they had oh, him on absolutely. top of the Pops.
9: <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, Well, yeah. We, we thought we're people used to do that. I mean I always remember you know the ska bands the classically like Madness and Bad Manners used to sit there and play toy instruments and things like that. You know people yeah. did people did yeah. used to mock it up from a certain generation onwards. It was like well why is this you know. Uh, our little bit was like we put the plugs on top of the synths. But of course on, t- on TV you can't really see them at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, We are just standing there not really doing yeah, anything yeah, it, was, yeah. it was it was
4: ridiculous but i think what it does i i think to me the line of demarcation is that if you are able to improvise and have one show on
8: monday be different from the show on tuesday uh-huh. yeah. that to me is that to me is live but, but also yeah. i will i will just say that you know like a lot of people that are performers and that do do not give the audience enough credit to think oh everything you know because when you go okay what do you know so if you're a if you're like a band that just mimes your backing track da 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 it sounds pretty much like the CD oh great I love this track da 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 but then when we're doing it there's there's a, there's a rawness it's going whoa but it's the feeling do you know what I mean it's like I've seen bands that do mime and plays this like like the CD but it's well it's, you know may as well be in my car or something really to be honest but as an artist though
4: that gives you the fear. Yes. You get the fear because it's not just... you no, know, down the line, you know that like, yes. you know. Even though the equipment and, and and the and the touch pads and all that have got much better, and you don't have to look at the screen like you're doing your taxes. Um, <laughs> you you do get the fear because at any minute you could do something amazing, yeah. but at any
8: minute you could also do something not so amazing. Exactly, which does happen, doesn't it? Happy accidents
9: and accidents that aren't so happy. Bob Ross would say, <laughs> "Happy little accidents." You know, done, nothing's nothing's not there on on purpose. You, you guys had any of those lately? Um, I think the last. Big one! Was when we played a massive festival for the BBC in Belfast, and one of our synths was just not it, as we call it, one-legged. It was, it was, not playing. It was out, out. It just there was no bottom end to it, and exactly. we were just about to start a track with, you know, it's the bass line, and it's like, well, we can't do, we can't do that. So we stopped, and we had to restart the computer and tried it. We tried everything. We changed cables. It was five minutes of dead air, you know. And well, um, luckily for, for us, we were in Belfast, so we had a very good Irish crowd who just thought it was funny. <laughs> and um, and then the bbc Managed because they sort of run everything live with a fifteen-minute time delay. They just seamlessly edited it out. You would never know that it happened. They were absolutely brilliant. So that was that was really cool.
8: A a big comeback gig on the TV, you know, like live. You know, that mistake never happened. Exactly. I've noticed too lately.
4: um, We went through sort of uh, like back in the late '90s. Live electronic music was sort of the way you did it. Even people like BT, you know, would had had bands like guitars on stage bass players. And then when we sort of went into the superstar DJ era, it was more about the DJ or the DJ duo or the DJ performance, not really a live PA. But over the last few years, I've definitely noticed, I'm curious if you guys have too, a sort of resurgence in, in electronic music artists' representing themselves on stage with drummers with uh, with string orchestras uh, have you have you noticed that tune or anyone that you've seen where you're like hey they're
9: they're doing a good thing yeah well that's that's one way to go isn't it um, and lots of people do that um, for, for us because I've thought about doing it you know wouldn't it be fun to do it with an orchestra i don't know if it would i don't know it's like this this song was written with a jupiter six why do i want to replace that with six string players i don't know it's not the same sound is it might be different it might be interesting but generally speaking i kind of like the freedom of of jamming like this if you take start taking notes of musicians you kind of got to have a, a set structure to the song you can jam i've seen you know i've seen the heritage orchestra do an amazing jam thing where they were literally writing the notes out and the the arrangements on a screen that was being projected to the the orchestra they were just kind of following it, it was absolutely stunning but you know it's a, it's a it's a different it's a different way of going about it some people like that that kind of you know taking a bass player and a drummer to to give it a live element, and I, I, you know that's that's great because they, it's like you say, it's people trying to do something that's that's different. I think is it James Holden? He's kind of, ex- he's doing some quite good mm-hmm. experimental stuff. With I saw him doing something I think with a drummer, a sax player, and him on a modular synth, and it's like, whoa, doesn't sound anything like his records. And he's but he's doing something else, and it's kind of like, well, that's interesting, you know. Yeah, I did a solo project once. Uh, I don't think it was before. I uh, did all. Before just before
8: orbital version two started, I think, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know, because you, you're making the music up in the studio with all your drum machine, da 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 da. So then to convert it live seems a bl- little bit, but anyway, I did this thing, and I got Will White from the Propeller Heads, he's the most fantastic drummer ever, right? He really has got himself an electronic kit, and he can. Jam with improvisation because he's so he's really really good. I had a keyboard player as well, it's really you know, and it was sort of jamming. But for us to then take it, it, it's like, what, what are we doing here? You know, for us to then take what we've done in the studio and then to convert it to a drummer, what is that? Unless they bring something to the party, there's uh, there's no real you're just doing it for the. What are you did it for? I think for me, the,
9: the the live element, the thing that that I couldn't do it without is the sort of having the big hardware synths on stage because that's the that's the different element because we're playing tracks, we're using different synths, so they've got a different inherent sound, and we're manipulating them and, and playing the synths, playing the sounds, mm-hmm. um, producing all of that stuff on stage as you go along on the fly, and I like the the tight setup of just two people so you can properly check. there's no there's no kind of checking in with the rhythm section <laughs> to make sure you know we're going to extend this bit and all of that kind of thing I mean I've done it uh, you know at the same time that Phil was talking about I did a thing with nine musicians because <laughs> I, I did an orchestral an album yeah. and um, and we boiled that down to nine people a couple of string players we, you know we did things like replaced if you like the whole string section with a, an accordion player and that kind of thing so we changed it again mm-hmm. and that was that was great fun but it was interesting because it was very rigid in one way because the, the structures, you know, with nine people, they were reading from sheep music and, you know that the songs had to stay the length they were. You know, it's almost less improvisational with more okay. people. You would think that it would be, <laughs> but then exactly. you get the bonus of nine people playing together in harmony, which is a different, a different thing. You know, and it's, like, it's like I don't want to, if I go and see the Pixies, I don't want to see them improvise. I want to hear the, the songs. You know what I mean? And it's like, but that's four people. Going, you know, like really hell for leather on stage, and no backing and tracks, got, and it just sounds brilliant.
8: Got vocals as well. But the thing is, with your um, ideal condition thing, is what you were talking about earlier, right? With mm. the yeah, Paul wrote that it was like orchestrated. Yeah, no, it was written for for
9: players. Yeah, so,
8: so that's it wasn't like we on stage. sort of converting it. But going back to you know, you know, how you started the question, really, there's a definite distinction between a superstar DJ. Essentially, mostly like in that realm, they are there for a job, and they are there for the create the vibe of. And, and generally, they're playing uh, you know records from other people, producers, and and they are there to like get the party started, duh, 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 you know, and doing all that. Whereas you know we are an electronic band that you know when the you, you know underworld and everybody like that. We we're not there to to, to like play a load of music—that's not a prime, a prime directive. It's not to make people dance, it, 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 or, you know. A, it's to play—it's to play
4: Satan and make people lose their mind, which is what happened to me in 1996. Thank you very much.
9: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But <laughs> well, that's it. But it's—you know—it's it's not to be. You know, I know. I you know. DJs are part of what we call, you know, the dance culture, and, and bands like us, and you know, like like you say, Underworld, Chemical Brothers—we're part of the dance culture. We don't mistake the two things as the same thing because we're playing. We're, you know, we're playing. We're playing, we're so playing a gig. Jobs, yeah, yeah, they? You go to, you, know, you can't do what we do in a little club well you can but it's not the same we've got a big production we've got Mm -hmm. loads of gear we're doing a gig yeah we're on at nine and no. It's all over by eleven, you know. People like if you go to a club, you're not going out till eleven. And that, well, well, but then that's how it works symbiotically, you know. It's like people can come and see this, they can go and see, uh, you know, go to a little sweaty nightclub and dance their socks off till four if they want to. It's a different, it's a different thing. But we're but going back to when I first started back in the '90s, when we used to jump on the PA
8: bandwagon, that was that was a little conflict of interest because they, they, you know, the people were like, "Well, oh, are they going to play the hit? It's all going to be dancing. Like, no, this is all we're going to play like." used To play Satan, didn't we? It was like a slow yeah, down. dance floor up the breadth of England, <laughs> like a, a, a hip hop sort of bass sort of thing, like guitars and like Satan, Satan, Satan. It's like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? How, uh, how has the traveling
4: rig changed much apart from maybe a few more VSTI and a few
9: maybe lost some since along the way? <laughs> no, we haven't lost any since along the way. I think we got more up there because there's this when we were Compacting doing it before, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when we were doing it before we've taken all our ancient synths along with us and it. what we've lost is the digital stuff like the samplers and things like Korg wave stations, which you can't manipulate anyway. So we've got all of that now sampled in Ableton because Ableton is essentially a massive sampler as well. Um, but we're still triggering it the same way we would from buttons on you know with the improvisational element but we've got seven synths up there now I don't think we ever used to take seven synths you know but because now everyone's making these really cool new sort of analog synths and digital good digital synths loads of synths with knobs on and they're all kind of you know about a foot long and and half a foot wide so you yeah so they're all modules with all the knobs on so you can just take all these great desktop synths and they take up hardly any space so hey why not bring them all you know we've got we've got got seven cents up there at the minute. I know that... The- Mixing politics with music has always been something that you guys have sort of
4: subversively put into all of your tracks. And I'm sure that this record and everything that's been going on in in not just the US, but in the entire world over the last few years, um, even with the title of the record, uh, maybe walk me a little bit through the spirit of the album uh, because all the albums that you guys have are very sort of connected in terms of from beginning to end. There aren't a lot of things that you can just pull out of there. Everything is woven together pretty tightly.
9: What would be, uh, in your mind, the narrative of, of this record for me, it's a the narrative is it's a score of the, the state of the world of the minute. You know, monsters exist. It's a bit, it's like a warning. It's like a, a triangular warning sign. You know, beware. You know, it's like an old medieval map. Here, be dragons. You know, watch out. Just keep your eyes peeled. You know, and some of the tracks, you know, reflect reflect that. You know, so the raid is a definite walk down. The alleyways and sewers of humanity you know um, and things like hoo hoo ha ha is a sort of hysterical kind of track like being on a roller coaster but one that you know is broken and you're going to fall off the end and it's kind of you're all smiling and happy but it's not you know is this thing going to come off the rails it's definitely you know which is kind of what that that very much for me you know that and the the track PH UK you know represent the sort of mess of of the UK at the minute you know it's like the the state of the state of England like a nation about to come off the rails but that but having said that that's like you know you do an
8: album monster exists that you know for me that sparks my imagine, imagination cautionary danger danger will robin phil robinson <laughs> you know? and uh but yeah you know, but then you get like ph uk which actually the track is, is an instrumental sort of little bit more of a little upbeat dancey thing but then because we're doing an album and we're releasing it on commercial, that you know, you, we get the title and you go, Oh, actually, we can work with this, and it's go, you know, which all sort of helps tie it in. And a bit like how we were saying, like, you know, we had the punk scene all back in the 70s and eight, you know, the early 80s, government didn't take any notice of it going, Oh, yeah, you know, screw the establishment, da 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 da, and like, Yeah, bothered. Get the rave scene, the instrumental music and all that going off there. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, send That's just spent millions of pounds just uh, uh, funding the police force to go and beat up everybody at
9: Rafei's. Like, he was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, yeah. I got beaten up by the Metropolitan Police yeah. in Oaks yeah. in our hometown. It, it's it's kind of getting back to that time
4: now. I mean, I think about that Prodigy Experience record with the artwork with the guy on one side of the bridge doing this and with the knife about to cut it and all the police on the other side for um, Jilted yeah. Generation. Yeah. It, it really feels like it's coming back yeah. and then you've got groups like you guys putting out records and chemical brothers are putting out a record next year too and all these heavyweights are coming back and the, the music is just so
8: good well, is, mm. you see the thing is when you sort of like some people get a little bit upset going you know because you know we like hedonistic dance music and we don't we don't we don't like it you know when you're off you nut on here you, know, you don't want to be reminded of the harsh world it's actually don't ignore it <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what i mean we can we can yin and yang about everything you know get like splattering here and splattering there I'm glad you guys are doing it. I'm glad it's not just rainbows and unicorns all over the place.
4: Oh, you yeah. you needed Satan in 2018 more than the ever. Next album, rainbows <laughs> and unicorns.
9: How did you know? Well, at
4: least there's this next album. That, that, uh, I don't
9: care what you guys title it, as long yeah. as there's a next one. I like the idea of it being called rainbows oh, and I unicorns well, I and having a homeless rain. There's a unicorn sat like with his with his up <laughs> you, you heard it here first on Wide, <laughs> Wide <laughs> Awake Stories. A, a flassy tone. Yeah. <laughs> Shit a young and a rainbow behind it, landing in a <laughs> lovely golden palace that can't go to anymore. Thanks, guys, I appreciate it.
6: This is Wide Awake Stories.
2: Rich, did Orbital wear their their signature glasses with the lights on? Does the Pope blow white smoke? <laughs> Does
4: the Pope shit in the woods? I did say that. <laughs> I said, does the Pope blow white smoke? He, and he does, so yes, they did. Okay. I ask you to have a pair of those. When they, uh, as swag, for one of their album releases, they, they had a limited batch of little eyeglass torches, as they call them, made. And I have it there. Really? And I Still- may have Bring them in. You should be, wear them to, like, every show. I, I, I should. With, gla- with the, yeah. Every electronic show I go to. You should. People yeah. will just think you're, you know. Oops, Mental. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Mental.
4: But I'd have to shave my head. Like you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Sam is going to hit us with some electronic, live electronic choices.
2: Are these live recordings of, of actual live, like, live in inverted commas?
4: So recordings? live, live. No, they're not.
1: Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, live. do we have So these
3: are live recorded,
2: live? pre-made versions of tracks that have been also these done live
0: sometimes. examples <laughs> of live electronic acts.
4: Ah. Uh, tracks ah. from
0: yes. live electronic okay. acts. Okay. I'm so that's a-
4: confused right now, but I think Sam can unravel this for us.
6: This is Wide Awake Stories
1: so to be fair you're both technically correct i am going to be throwing some shine at artists who are holding it down on the live tip but i've also thrown in a few live recordings for good measure it seems like now more than ever festival lineups are overflowing with acts build with the coveted live title next to their name We're definitely experiencing a surge of artists that are trying to capitalize on the appeal of performing on the fly, whether that means incorporating a cool piece of synth, climbing in front of an electronic drum kit, inviting band members on stage as accompaniment, or any variation of the sort. Needless to say, there are plenty of artists who are getting in on the live action these days, and I'm here to share a few songs from that lot. So everyone knows that deadmau Mouse is someone who has been overly vocal about the need to be separated from what he has condemned as the button pushers. While we here at Insomniac would never discount any of the hard work DJs put in on the dance floor, it's hard to deny that the guy does indeed have a knack for constructing killer sets on the go. The Ableton Mastermind recently unleashed Mouseville Level 2, a collection of new material from himself and some of the shining talents on his mousetrap label. GG, uh, which is nerd speak for a good game, is one of three originals that Joel himself has put on the compilation, and that track specifically comes equipped with two remixes, one from Gallia and the other from Monster Get Down. The tune is a moody, progressive gem, and it's packed with everything we've come to love from Deadmau5 over the years. Producer George Fitzgerald gifted the world with his sophomore album All That Must Be, a 10-song offering that came after he griped about growing tired of club culture and the DJ lifestyle. The LP itself was an apparent departure from his previous work in his catalog, as he took a much more hushed and song-centric approach to every number on the package. As a way to close out the year, which in 2018 saw him put on a number of cool and intimate live performances around the world, Fitzgerald is dropping a remix package that also includes his own edit of the featured cut Half-Life. He's titled it the day version and it sees him taking the energy of the original up a notch without detracting from the song's lush and brooding atmosphere. As a composer at heart, Chloe is the epitome of a dance music artist who chooses not to be constrained by the club. She's as forward-thinking as they come, really, and her LP from last year, Endless Revisions, really echoed her penchant for boundless experimentation. After a year performing live renditions of tracks from the album at festivals like Sonar and Mutech, Chloe is returning with the live edition of that body of work, which is slated to arrive on her own label early next year. Each song is a reflection of her need to recreate and reimagine her own creations, and the manner in which she revisits the dawn is essentially an art form in and of itself. So I'd like to switch up the tempo a little bit now and show some love to Cohen Sound, a duo from Bristol who initially swept across the bass scene with a funky twist on Glitch Hop. Having taken on more of the form of an actual band, they have since shied away from the genre while never really abandoning it completely in an effort to explore softer and oftentimes more orchestral-driven influences. They're now returning to their own Shosin imprint with their next full-length Polychrome. An 11-track effort that has been three years in the making and it really showcases their uncanny ability to maneuver through styles and sounds seamlessly. Viridian Dream is a definite highlight for me personally as it's a delicate display of bass music that's not only intricately designed, but it's also just this beautiful emotional journey. My last selection this month is a two-for-one situation, and you'll see why in just a quick second. Justice undoubtedly changed the game at the height of the blockhouse movement as one of the most iconic rock electronic acts in the business. The French duo is currently riding high on a Grammy nomination for Best Electronic Album, uh, a well-deserved nom for that matter, uh, for their album, Women Worldwide. Their home base, Ed Banger Records, also celebrated their 15-year anniversary earlier in the year by having 27 classic records from their catalog done up by a 70-piece orchestra and a whopping seven of Justice's songs were selected for a reimagining at the affair. The recordings of which are now available, and to be quite frank, there's honestly nothing quite like Hearing Dance, one of their most iconic records which I'm sure you've heard countless times on the dance floor, Um, to hear that take on a symphonic incarnation. I can't think of a better way to close this segment out than this track.
4: Guys, that's it. I'm it's 2018. No, yeah,
0: yeah. I can't believe it's the last one of the year.
4: And we'll come back, and it'll be 2019. What are you looking and forward to next year? Shy, more bass. Love bass. <laughs> Love bass.
3: I'm th- I need to come back to me. I'm gonna be the last one. I'm thinking.
2: I'm looking forward to going back to Mexico. I love EDC Mexico. Super, super amazing festival. Oh, you love
3: EDC Mexico. Last year I was taken to EDC Mexico to babysit Daniel. That's
2: why I loved it. ahead had a babysitter. (laughs) As
3: soon as we got to Mexico City, he's like, I'm not picking you up from the airport. You can Uber. Okay, great.
4: Well, I had a great time.
3: Yeah, he had a great time. And he lost me. <laughs>
4: this may be my first EDC Mexico. Oh, you yeah, have not. I haven't been. I haven't
3: been either. Oh, honestly, really I'm excited for City. EDC Mexico. I'm excited for all
4: international EDCs next year. I really am because we're we're going to a lot of the places that you we've just recently going? gone to, and we'll be going to new places that we can't talk about yet. Come on, dish the dirt, spill the nope, beans. Nope, not yet. <sighs> but it will be exciting news. Yes, got my passport ready. It is exciting ready.
0: news to be revealed.
2: <laughs> and obviously, EDC Vegas is going to be incredible again. And, um, and this year, we'll be doing all of these sober. So I'll, uh, it'll be yes. completely And you're going to have specific. a great time. I mean, you should yeah. probably do it a sober
3: time. if you're working. We'll edit this, that for <laughs> that.
0: Um, and then I'm most excited about Chemical Brothers Tour yes, 2019. And Maribou State coming to LA in March. I've been looking forward to seeing them over here for a very long time.
4: I'm looking forward to seeing Massive Attacks 20th anniversary of Mezzanine uh, at at the Palladium. So that's going to be good. If they they bring out Liz Frazier for Teardrop, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) cry. Fitting. I want to have a moment. (laughs) I will shed a teardrop. So
2: while you're uh, using the hashtag Waterwake Stories to let us know your, your thoughts on live music, live electronic dance music, why don't you also let us know what you're excited for for 2019? Or is it 2019? I don't know.
4: 2019.
3: I say 2019. It's yeah. fine. 2019. That's a it's just how we say
2: it in England. All right. Well, we'll be back in. There. We'll be back next year.
4: Back next year uh, for episode. Deuce, Deuce.
3: I'll be 22. Well,
4: there you go. <laughs> That's the headline. <laughs> Most important thing.
0: shy
3: is 22. <laughs>
4: See you guys next year. Bye. Bye. Bye.